The opinions expressed on the ACB Media Network are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Hello, everyone. I am your facilitator, Mo Carpenter, and we have how to not be afraid of your kitchen today. And this is, we call it how to not be afraid of your kitchen 101. And we have with us Janine Lee and Herbie Allen. And Janine, why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself? Okay. So I'm Janine. I've only been blind for like three years and I um, am really, really passionate about cooking. I love it. And I always want to share with people my tips and tricks for budgeting and, and cooking and baking and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm super excited for this. And thank you guys so much for being here. I'm so happy. And Herbie, why don't you tell us just a quick couple minutes or a couple little sentences about yourself? Well, thank you, Mo. And uh, first of all, my thanks to ACB Generation for allowing us to be on here today. My name is Herbie Allen. I uh, have been blind since birth. And that is going to be my perspective on uh, cooking today. And I will get into why I got into cooking a little bit later on. All right. So guys, I want you to keep your bag shut for the moment because you our uh, presenters here will actually get into what's inside them. I hope you all got the full sets because we had a couple sets that were a couple items short, but that way um, when we get to the items, we will describe to you what is in your bag and the order. So just keep them shut. They should all have the zipper top or slider top. I keep getting in trouble for saying the wrong (laughs) top. Um, But Janine, why don't you go ahead and start off with telling us about how to budget, bulk buy, and portion control? Yes, yes, yes. So, okay. Um, So I learned this is the best way for my life. Everyone else can do it their own way, but this works for my life, my family. So here's a tip. Uh, I would suggest to make a list of what you think you want to eat for the week. For me, that's really hard because I have trouble eating and I don't eat that much. But um, yeah, so I would suggest making a list of what you want to eat or what you think you might want to eat. And then you can buy your groceries. I would suggest buying your groceries from a bookstore like Sam's Club, Costco, or BJ's. I use BJ's a lot. I love BJ's because they have really good quality and I like the portion sizes. Um, Yeah. So buy your food in bulk. And then when you get your food home from the grocery store, that is the day you should prepare it. So just a quick tip. I don't eat very much meat. I eat a lot of fruits, vegetables, pastas, grains, potatoes, eggs, things like that. So my foods are a lot different than other people's. I do eat chicken with no bones, but so uh, my meat budget isn't that large, but my cheese budget is much larger than most people's and my egg budget and my vegetable budget. So I spend a lot of money on fresh vegetables and sometimes I get produce sent to me from local organic people. So I would say get your food. So the day that my groceries come home from the store, like my peppers, my broccoli, my whatever, my celery, I will wash and cut them and put them in Tupperwares or containers or bags, however you want to store them. Going forward, when I say Tupperware, I mean any container that you can put a lid on. It can be glass, it can be plastic, it can be ceramic. I just call everything Tupperware, just like I call everything a ducky. So um, so you'll put your food in Tupperwares after you prepare them. So if you are making like, say for the week, I might be making lasagna, pasta, quiche, burritos. I would cut all my peppers. So I would get the yellow peppers, red peppers, white peppers, um, orange peppers and I'd cut them, I'd wash them and some I'd slice and some I'd dice and they'd be in different buckets. So they'd be ready for use for me for whatever I'm cooking and they're in the fridge and I don't have to prepare them later. So that's what you do. You make a list, you buy in bulk. Um, then the next day after you've prepared or maybe after you take a break, um, that also the day you come home from the store, I would prepare my snacks. So we'll, we'll talk, let's talk about that really quick. So say you like Cheez-Its. Cheez-Its are not my favorite thing, or you like veggie straws. You get the big bag 
from BJ's and the big bag is like five fifty. Um, if you buy them in little baggies, it's going to cost you twelve to fifteen dollars. You know, those kid size or the portion control size that you just take for lunch. So I would buy the one for five fifty, get a big bowl or pot or some kind of container that is clean and open the bag and dump it in. And then you'll put them in a snack bag. You can use a quarter cup measuring um so they're even or a half cup or whatever side you size you want to put in your baggies. But for me, I tend to use a half cup. So I'll put half cup of my veggie straws in my snack size bags, and then I'll put them in my snack basket in my pantry. So instead of paying the 12 to $15 for the box of them, I have them in Ziploc bags or little Tupperware containers, depending on what I decided to use that day. Um, for my preparation. And I've saved $10, which I can donate or use for other food or, or it just saves my budget. So the next thing is after you come home and you prepare your stuff and um, wash your things, then you'll be ready. So I take one day a week and I prepare my food in bulk. So if I'm planning, like I'll make a big pot of spaghetti. So if I'm doing wake, make and bake, I made a big pot of spaghetti with one or two boxes of pasta. And then I make my sauce from scratch and I have it. Now the option is, is you put it in a big Tupperware and you just have it and you can scoop some out or you can take a measuring cup, one cup or two cups, depending on the serving size that you want and put them in smaller containers or bags. And then you can just take them out of the fridge when you need. I was visiting a friend and taught my friend how to do this. And that friend came home and had dinner every night. So that was teaching portion controls for that person. So yeah, I I suggest doing that because, you know, when you come home from work, school, whatever, when you have a meeting, you don't want to cook for wait for the water to boil and wait for the pasta to cook and then wait for to make the sauce from scratch. You just want to take something else and microwave it. And if you buy the frozen dinner, it costs you four to $5. Your pasta that you made probably costs $10 total for all your fresh ingredients, all your sauce, everything. And you probably will get 10 meals out of it. So just to save money that way, if you're eating pasta, another tip was salad. I like corn. I like cucumbers. I like eggs. I like to put all those in my salad. So if you have salad, I would take, I eat a lot of salad. So I would eat like maybe a four cup portion, a two or four cup portion of salad, because that would be my main meal. I wouldn't be having anything else. And I would make a huge pot bowl, big, big bag of um, lettuce. So you prepare your salad and then you put it in Tupperwares or bags. One tip is if you put it in the quart size bag um, and you take it to work, you can take some plastic silverware and you can take a, um, a bowl, you know, like a throwaway bowl. Uh, I, I have a lot of parties, so I have plastic and, and paper products. So you could take a paper bowl and your salad and some disposable silverware and take that to work with you. And then that would be your lunch if you're going to lunch or if you're riding paratransit or whatever. So um, prepare your food and then you can make little things. Also, if you're cooking in a crock pot, you could prepare your food. Like you could throw, let's say you're making whiskey chicken. So you could put chicken and barbecue sauce and whiskey and yeah, pineapple whiskey, barbecue sauce, and you put it in a bag and then you just marinate it for a while. And then in the morning when you leave, you dump it in your crock pot. And then when you come home, your chicken is ready and, and you have whiskey, pineapple chicken or whatever juice you want. Like orange juice, pineapple, whatever. I I cook a lot with alcohol because it cooks out and I like the flavor. So there's that. Okay. So we've gone over making a list, buying in bulk, uh, preparing things, uh, taking little, making little baggies um, of food. Another tip um, to save some money for your budget is uh, celery. I love celery as a snack. So you buy celery and it costs anywhere from $150 to $2. Now, if you buy it cut and pre-made in the grocery store, that's like $5, 5 to $6. Even at BJ's, it costs a lot more. So I will buy the celery and I have a rabbit so he gets to eat the leafy part. Or if I'm making a stew or a soup, then the leafy part can go in it. And then I cut my celery and put it in the Tupperwares or the bags. And then I've only paid $1.50 for my celery snacks instead of $6. So this is a way to save money and portion control and do all the things. So I really suggest 
cooking in bulk and making things in bulk. And I think, yeah, I think those are my things. So buy in bulk. Um, when you come home, wash and prepare your food when you put it away. Um, if you have time that day, you can cook for the week. Um, and then you'll have your food ready that you can just put in the microwave. I do like things fresh and I, and yeah, so I thank you all. And if you have any questions, I think I, I think I have time for a few questions, right? I have one thing to add. Um, Why don't you add in for budgeting about the transportation to get your groceries or Uh, services? Yes. Okay. So to get your groceries, that's a really good one. So they're shipped. They have a yearly thing. Um, sometimes when you sign up, you can get that for, for a whole year for $50. Um, I know with BJ's, the first time you get your first delivery, it's normally $15, but they do it for free your first time. Some, there are a couple dollars. You can do it with Instacart, Shipped, um, DoorDash, all those things. So yes, I, I, you might have a friend like, okay, so you might have a friend that you go shopping with and you can share your groceries with them if you have someone close to you so you can share the transportation. But yes, I have to budget for gas because I'm very lucky and have sighted people. But I am thinking more and more that I'm going to get a delivery service because those cases of water are mighty heavy. I I need some more help carrying those cases of water because <laughs> I like them. So yeah, so yes, I think you'd have to budget for your grocery delivery or make a list for them. I personally like to go touch things. Um, but yes, budgeting for grocery delivery services can be a little tricky. I, I'm going to let Herbie take a couple seconds of that and his thing, but that's not my forte. I usually just go to the store. All right. So yes, we will take questions. We're actually a little ahead of schedule, but that will leave us more time for questions at the end. So um, our first hand here in Zoom is Linda Yaks. Linda, you may ask your question. Back in the 670s, I think it was, there was a book. It was called Once a Month Cooking. Mm -hmm. And I think it is still available on BARD. And that really gave me, um, I mean, it had recipes in it if you wanted them, but it talked a lot about what you're talking about, about prepping your stuff ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is get the whole meal completely ready and then freeze it. So you did eat yeah. fresh every day, but you uh, did all your cooking. And I did that for a while with, and a friend would come over and we would cook all day. The one caveat to that was I absolutely refused to cook dinner that night. I told my family, <laughs> I have cooked all day. You are taking me out. So, But I did want to share that it's called Once a Month Cooking. And I'm there's definitely- also a Once a Week Cooking because I have that currently on my e-reader. So I oh, do know I didn't that know that. that. I'll available. have to look for that one. That's cool. Mm-hmm. All right. I love that. Thanks, Linda. Thanks. Hey, can I add one thing? I forgot. This was really, really important and I forgot it. And go I had go it ahead, Janine. So when I bake cookies, because you guys know I love baking, right? So, and I don't even want to eat the cookies, but I bake the cookies and as they're cooling, right? When they're cool, I suggest putting them in the snack bag or sandwich bag. You can put four or five cookies in it and you freeze them and then your portion control. And also you can put them in Tupperware. So when you want a cookie or you're going somewhere, you take your bag of cookies out that's portion controlled and ready and they're fresh because I freeze them the day that we bake them. So that's my tip for cookie baking and bread baking and all the baking baking. So I forgot to say that because that's really important to me. So thanks, Mo. Next question. Okay. All right. Well, Herbie, (laughs) do you want to go ahead and step up? Because I think we could talk towards the end forever and ever about our and topics, but we have Herbie Allen who will be talking to us about food and kitchen safety, as well as identification identification of those objects that you know might be a little difficult to tell what the frozen brick is. All right, so I'm going to try something for you, visual users, and that is, I'm if this works, you will actually be able to see my outline on the screen here. I've never tried this before, so it may or may not work. So uh, just warning you, but uh, we're giving it a try here. So I have been asked, in fact, as recently as a few minutes ago, what got me interested in cooking? And this, to me, is a very surprising question, because it's something I've never really given much thought. 
It was just for me. Well, I wanted to live independently. So if I'm going to live independently, I got to be able to eat. And if I'm going to eat, I need to know how to cook. So I learned how to do it at a number of places. And I'm going to give you a lot of my tips and things. Just some more background about me first. As I mentioned, I have been blind since birth. I have light perception, but all that lets me do is see light. I cannot see shadows, colors, or anything like that. I learned cooking techniques in my early teens and how to use my oven, toaster, microwave, and it would not be till my later teen years that I learned how to do things like uh, use the stove top, how to follow recipes, things like that. And with constant practice and just determining to actually, uh, you know, kind of do it by I started doing it without supervision. And now as an adult, I cook on a daily basis without any sighted assistance or supervision or anything like that. So we've been talking about portion control and what to cook and all that, but how do you get it all to your pot? And that is the question. Well, the first thing is take stock of your equipment. What do you have in the kitchen? And there are two differing elements that I've outlined for this, your accessories and then the actual cooking equipment itself. The accessories are going to be things like mixing bowls, knives, spoons, plates, measuring equipment like spoons and cups, and things to find out like, uh, are these things labeled? Can you identify them? And if they are not, is that such a bad thing? And I will tell you, in the case of measuring cups, it really is not. Because if you have a standard set of measuring cups, you can actually determine which one is which very easily. They will come in a cup, half cup, third cup, and fourth cup. So if you stack them, they can only go one way. Well, then you'll know which is which, because the fourth is going to be on top, then the third, and so on and so forth. Now, if you have the extended set of measuring cups... That is a whole nother realm because there are, they can go as high as two cup measuring cups, at least the ones I've seen, and as low as an eighth cup. And that would be a lot harder to do because there's so many extra pieces there. But a standard four cup measuring cup set. Same with the measuring spoons. Tablespoon is your largest teaspoon. And then you've got what, like your eighth and your fourth teaspoons. I honestly don't use those that much, to be honest with you. But you know, just a lot of simple things by noticing your the stuff around you that you can do to help determine what does what. And we can talk about accessible labeling and stuff later on too. But the other thing is the actual cooking equipment itself, primarily the stove slash oven. So first of all, the question is, what kind of stove do you have? There's going to be two types, gas or electric. And if you don't know, you can know. If it is a gas stove, it is going to have very a very unique type of burners on them. They're all going to be the same size, at least the ones I've seen. They are all raised and they are like have edges that kind of cut like cut off in the middle, forming a little circle, which leaves room for the flame underneath. So that is what a gas stove burner looks like. I have also seen some stoves that have six burners on them instead of the traditional four. And I that threw me for a loop, actually. But the other thing is the electric stove. And this is going to vary depending on the type of stove and the age and all that. I, for instance, have the very old-fashioned knobs with raised burners. I love it. I would not want these uh, more modern fandangled stoves that they have now that have the flat surfaces, though they'd be easier to clean for sure, that you cannot determine exactly where the burner starts and ends. But if you do have one of those stoves, have no fear. There are some things you can try, like, you know, finding out if there is a smaller size and a larger size, so you can at least guess which side of the stove to put your pan on. Or even perhaps easier, use an external device such as an electric skillet that uh, you can plug into an outlet in your kitchen and... uh, 
that might prove to be easier, but even then you have to be careful with what you get. So that is that. Then the other thing with uh, cooking is, well, Janine talked about this earlier. What do you want to cook? And this can be both a fun and intimidating thing because there's, well, many recipes and stuff out there. I would say, though, that if you're just getting into cooking, start with simple things. Maybe you want to boil those fresh vegetables that you got delivered to you from the farmer's market or the frozen ones that you will buy from the store. Perhaps you want to do some hard-boiled eggs or maybe just some oatmeal. Maybe you want to boil water for some coffee or tea or for whatever reason. And maybe it's just something as simple as putting a TV dinner in the oven or microwave or a breakfast sandwich. Those are ways to cook, and they will at least get you started. And over time, you can, you know, learn even more ways. And labeling. I did say I was going to talk about that. Braille labels can be especially helpful. For instance, uh, if you have a uh, digital oven, maybe there's certain buttons you could have uh, a Braille label on, like the 350 marker, for instance, and the off. Or maybe you have a stove with dials, and so you want puff paint to tell you where the high position is, or low, or medium, or whatever. And... Some concerns I hear from people is, well, you know, I've got a sighted person in the house and they're going to be upset if I have a Braille label. Well, first of all, I would argue that you have, as a blind individual, we have just as much as of a right to the same type of information as a sighted person. But the other thing is a lot of Braille labels will come, labelers and stuff, use what's called Dymo tape, which is a very clear type of uh, labeling tape that you means you can label something and it will not actually erase the print or anything like that. So it's my understanding that those kind of labels, you know, uh, both anybody can use them. So there you go. It can be done. And believe me, if you can have something labeled, I remember I was at a place once without a an unlabeled microwave. And once we got that fixed, it was freedom. I had more I felt, you know, more powerful. So labeling can give you a very high level of independence. And if you don't read Braille, there are definitely other things you can try. Like I said, I gave puff paint as an example. The disadvantage is sometimes the heat can make things come off eventually, and so you might have to redo them. Next, I want to talk about product identification. So I find that 98% of the things in my kitchen I can identify without any type of barcode scanner or smartphone camera, anything like that. And if you have listened to my cooking calls over the last year, you've heard me talk about how I can tell this is a sack of flour, this is a sack of sugar, this is what the brown sugar comes in. I know the mayonnaise jar because it's a plastic jar that has a very thick plastic lid, but the relish jar is much smaller and is made of glass and has a glass lid. So sometimes just the feel of the jar alone can tell me what it is. Peanut butter and mustard ketchup, things like that, different meats, they are going to feel differently too, no matter what type of packaging they're in. Boneless chicken breasts feel a certain way. Boneless chicken thighs or the bone-in ones do. Drumsticks, you can easily tell those through the packaging. Ground meat, steaks, pork, whatever, you can tell a lot just by the packaging and practice will make perfect. Pantry stuff is where I do find I might need barcode scanning the most, but Again, a lot of things have similar, uh, do, do feel differently. Spices is one where I actually did have a lot of them that will last me a while Braille labeled, so I could just easily identify them as great as technology is. There is something to be said for just picking up a bottle, reading the Braille label, and going, oh, that's what it is? Okay, cool. But uh, frozen things, they can also be identified, too, in many cases. For instance, you can easily tell what a bag of onion rings feels like or uh, French toast sticks. But uh, many other things do come in boxes, but they are packaged within the box. So you can take it out, store it in your freezer, and you can tell what it is just by feel. And not only 
can you do that? But now you've saved yourself a little bit more freezer space because you don't need that humongous box taking up half the room. And believe me, it does help. And if you are uncomfortable with identifying things by feel or whatever, not a problem. There are definitely options out there. There are barcode scanners. I don't know how much they are being made today, but if you can get your hands on one, they are really wonderful. And unlike the smartphone, they don't require as much precision. You do have to know where the barcode is, but you don't have to, it can see it from multiple directions iPhone, you've got various apps such as uh, SuperSense, which was demonstrated at the convention last Saturday, but uh, you got Seeing AI, apps like that, and uh, if those are not good options for you, which they sometimes are not, services like Be My Eyes and Ira are great uh, options to pursue, and not only can they help you with identifying the product... Let's go back to the identifying controls on the stoves and whatnot. You know, they can always help you with that, too, if uh, you need assistance with that. The other thing, though, that's really nice about barcode identification is in addition to identifying the product, many times you will get instructions. So, for instance, if you, uh, like, I get these, um, oh, Chinese restaurant frozen dinners now, it's... uh, the name's escaping me. Panda Express. No, not Panda Express. But anyway, um, the point is they will have specific cooking instructions. And just by looking at the barcode, I can find them. But the other thing, we were talking about how to shop for food earlier. One of the advantages with these delivery service apps is in addition to the product, if you actually click on the product itself, they will have an option for details about the product that may include cooking instructions. So those can be extremely helpful to you and even determine if it's something you're interested in purchasing in the first place or not. So that is something else to consider with product identification. Let's see... Okay, I'm kind of going ahead of myself here. Oh, okay, next one. This is an important one. Learn from your mistakes. You are going to make them, and that's fine. And along with that, don't think that your blindness is a barrier. Sighted people, I love you guys. I'm not trying to diss on you, but everybody makes mistakes, even in the kitchen. We may have a unique advantage with being blind in that we actually have, you know, might be more careful, actually. But again, you're going to make mistakes, you're going to make a cake that did not turn out well, what can you learn from that? And or maybe you uh, set off the smoke alarm, and, or you need to learn to how to deal with, you know, with something going on in the kitchen, you're gonna, things will happen. And it's how you learn from them that can really be important. Let's talk about knives and other cutting implements. Very usable. So one of the cutting techniques I will use is I will, let's say if I'm chopping a carrot and I want it really small, I will use my fingers as a guide to as the uh, to create like a little gap with the section that I want cut. And so then I can put my knife in between the gap, very sharp knife, and just cut. And the knife is not touching my fingers. And I'm, you know, the thing is cut and I can go from there and just use the same technique when sometimes things are get, will get small enough, like with carrots, for instance, that you can just grasp the edges with your fingers. And, but if you don't feel comfortable doing that, that's not a problem. There are accessible knives out there with guide bars. And of course, there are definitely food processors as well that you can use if uh, that works better for you both mechanical and electric. So you have options. Places like Blind My Smart, by the way, are great places to look for blind-friendly cooking aids and talking thermometers and stuff like that. All right, let's talk about the oven. This is going to be... A very important one. So don't be afraid of your oven. It's not going to hurt you. But uh, oven mitts can be a great tool. Well, you're going to need them anyway. But Janine will tell you the longer the better. And the you definitely want to 
ones too that you can use to uh, get your food in and out of the oven. I do not recommend, you're going to get differing schools of thoughts on this, even on this call. I do not recommend moving the oven rack out. Um, I think it's better to have it as a totally blind person in the same spot all the time so you know where it is and so you're not fumbling for it. You know kind of like where you're aiming. And so I do not think that uh, removing the oven rack is a good idea. And then you've got a solid place where you can set your pan on or cookie sheet or whatever that's going to be there that's going to be stable because once you move out the rack, then you've got to deal with the fact that it's not fully in place. It's a now moving target, so to speak. And so that is why I am not a uh, somebody that recommends that method. Preheating the oven. This is something that if you do not feel comfortable facing the heat, then you can put stuff in the oven without preheating it. But what you're going to have to do is remember to give the extra time that the oven requires for the preheating. So let's say you're doing some chicken nuggets. And... And they require, oh, about 20 minutes. Well, then your oven, let's say it takes about 15 minutes to heat up. So you're going to need to put the food in the oven, turn it on, and set that timer for 35 minutes because of the added time that the oven needs to heat up. I am not a big fan of this method, but again, if you're... Cause it, you know, you can't do it if you feel uncomfortable, and then you can just turn the oven off before taking things out, though it will take a while for the heat to dissipate. But if you leave the door open for a minute or two first before getting it, and you can stand to the side. I actually prefer to stand in front of the oven just because I have better control over it and what I'm taking out. But uh, I, again, have also been doing this for a long time, so... That's also a factor. And finally, food safety and recipes. Recipes are going to give the recommended time for cooking. And so what I would recommend, though, is a lot of times what they'll do is say 15 to 20 minutes. So especially if you're new to cooking, err on the side of caution. Do more like 20 minutes rather than 15 minutes. And... You know, especially with meat-based things or even baked goods, because they do have egg in them, so you do want them fully baked. But uh, just err more on the side of caution, and over time, you will figure out if you need to do less time or not, depending on your oven and whatnot. You can also tell various things, though, with silverware. For instance, if you're uh, not sure if your meat is done enough, what does it feel like when you're slicing into it? What does it... uh, And you might have to use your fingers as well to determine. You know, cakes, brownies, are they gooey when you insert the fork into them? If they are, then that tells you you need to cook them more. And that is a technique that is often recommended in recipes. Or a toothpick works uh, just as well. And finally, use good methods of storing leftovers. Plastic Tupperware containers or glass containers with lids are really good for storing that cooked food. Or perhaps those Ziploc bags like the one that was uh, were passed to you if you were attending physically today. And you can use... Ziplocs are a great way for storing things. Or if, uh, let's say... You want to use, like, say, a Ziploc bag to, like, marinate some meat, or you open something. I Sometimes I find it's easier to put it in a Ziploc bag rather than trying to seal it with a clothespin, just because, for some reason, whenever I try to use a clothespin, things don't stay sealed. But a Ziploc bag, you close it up, it will it's more likely to stay that way. But I'll use it for the freezer, the fridge, the pantry to store uncooked or cooked food. And... With that, I we have time for questions, I think. Hello. Hello. Um, I actually have two questions, but I can I can Well, let's see what we can do. Yeah. Um so um I guess the first one I'll ask is I was wondering if you could talk more about cooking meat and being able to tell when it's done. Like obviously when you get it onto your plate and you cut into it, you can tell like, oh, this needs to go back in. But like, how do you know roughly how long to be cooking chicken or ground meat for? So a lot of it is from experience. You know, I can tell you that boneless chicken that's refrigerated will take about, uh, you know, the minimum is like 25 minutes, give or take. And um, thighs, I found, take a little bit longer. Things with a bone, you're going to need at least an hour 
if I'm unsure, I'm not going to put it, I won't serve it right away. I'll put it on a plate that I can test it with, you know, take a piece out of the pan with the fork or test it with. A lot of times, though, if you're following an actual recipe, that's why I said it will give you the exact time of uh, what to cook it for. And you can always Google, like, whatever meat you have, say, okay, how long should I cook this hamburger patty? Like, some things will give you recommended times. Hamburger meat, like say if you're browning meat for tacos or pasta, Mm -hmm. that one is going to be how it feels with your spoon and how it sounds when it's sizzling. So you're going to, it's going to start hissing and popping at you and, uh, thing. And, uh, that's going to be a really good indicator. But when it comes to ground meat, like I'm, once I know it's really, cooking, I'm going to be constantly stirring it and just feeling the texture, temperature, and then I can, you know, you know, it's probably going to take about 10 to 20 minutes, depending on your pan and how high you have the heat. And then, though, the thing with some ground, I mean, the thing with ground beef, let's say you're going to, if you're going to put it into something that requires additional baking, it'll get cooked more that way, too. But you can tell just a lot with your spoon how you know how well it is how done it is and so and your spoon like when you're cooking stuff on the stove will tell you a lot in that regard so those are just some basic tips but i would say if you're new to cooking follow specific recipes and that might really help but you can definitely um, and another thing too, the thicker the meat, the more time you're going to want to give it. So if you've got one of those really larger chicken breasts, you definitely want to give it uh, more time. And mm-hmm. those are some um, of my tips on that. Thank you. I'd also recommend a meat thermometer and just check what the recommended temperatures are to go to. Yep. And when you use a meat thermometer, I recommend to push it like all the way through and then pull it back because you want the middle of that meat, not the ends. Yes. So if you push it through, like if you have something an inch thick, pull it back to about a half an inch so that you get that middle temperature. And it will go up a couple degrees after you take it out of the oven Mm -hmm. or off the heat source. I was going to suggest the same thing using a meat thermometer. Um, There's a couple great ones out there that we can talk about later. Hi, um, my name's Avery. I just had a question. Um, I heard you say something about accessible knives, and I know knives are where I struggle in the kitchen, so I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about that. So these, does any, I really, I honestly just use regular knives. I don't use any special adaptive. I know they're out there. Does it, either of you guys? Yeah, I do. Um, so the accessible knives that they have that I got to try as um, they have a knife and so you might also, for safety purposes, you might want to keep a sheave on your knife. It's the plastic cover for safety or get a knife block. So they have a plastic knife where it's um, there's a ceramic knife and it's kind of accessible. It's sharp, but you won't hurt yourself as much. But uh, yeah, it's made from ceramic and they call it an accessible knife. So ha- have you heard of the accessible knife, Avery? That's ceramic so you can kind of hear the groove. So it's very extra flat on top. And then as you feel down the side, they have little divots in it. And then it's sharp. So they have some that are um, ridged and serrated. And they also have them in very sharp. So I did get to try those. Also, there, there's many kinds of knives you can use. You can get different touching ones. There's some with rubber grips. I find those better than the ones with the, um, the melanin grips. So... I hope that answers your knife question. And Janine, why don't you tell us why it's important to keep our knives sharp? Yes. Okay. It's very important to keep your knife sharp because things won't cut. And as you're going to cut and you're slicing and dicing or whatever, you could slice and then it'll slip. Like, especially I was uh, using my friend's knife and they were um, not sharp and I almost slice my hand off because the pepper was moving around and because the knife was dull I couldn't cut it and it was very slimy so it's very important to keep your knife sharp the way you can keep your knife sharp 
is on the back of an electric can opener. They usually have a thing and you can put your knife and you press it down and it goes zzz, or you can get one of those sticks, um, a knife sharpener, and you just go up and down on it and it keeps it sharp. They're not that expensive. And one thing I want to emphasize, it was not a, I mean, the knife, it was because the knife was not sharp why she almost yeah. cut herself. So yeah. I want to emphasize yeah. that point. Yeah, thank you. I never, right. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, who's next? In next Zoom? in Zoom, we have Viola Benson. You may ask your question. Viola, welcome. Hi, guys. Um, I have been cooking for a long time too, Herbie. Let's see, I'm 63. Uh, so... I started when I was about 18, and uh, they had a wonderful thing called a- AF- uh, AFB, and they had a store back then. And one of the things you could do is, when you were first starting out, is buy a bunch of things that you might need, like blenders and knives and electric skillets and all that kind of stuff. So um, I have an eye grill that I use Um because I want to know exactly what my temperature of my meat is. And it's really cool because you can Bluetooth it to your phone and it'll tell you when your meat has come to temperature. It has a probe that you can put into the oven along with your meat. Um, and I just like that because then I can, if I'm doing a roast, which I do a lot of, or prime rib and things you don't want to ruin because they're expensive. Yeah. And just to want to mention before we move on, so Janine and I both have cooking calls here on the on the ACB community. You will mm-hmm. find mine every Tuesday, myself and Twinkling Tori, my assistant. We are on at 10 o'clock Eastern time for Herbie's Cooking Corner. That is also usually streamed on ACB Media 5. And if we don't get to your question today, that's definitely a great time to come on mm-hmm. and ask additional stuff and you get to listen to me in action. And mm-hmm. then Janine also has Wake, Make and Bake. On and Wednesdays then- at 10 a.m. On Wednesdays at 10 a.m. And it's usually streamed. And also I, I usually, yes, 10 a.m. Wake, Make and Bake. And it's we cook, we bake, and then we eat it. Yep, and then there are some other cooking shows too, such as in the kitchen with Courtney and Carrie, and it's it's electric and uh, Mm -hmm. recipe swaps. So AC community has a lot of cooking calls to offer. All right, who is next? One quick tip: I just met a new kind of oven that's kind of expensive now, but it's an induction one, and it's one of these totally flat ones. But you don't have to know where to put your pan if just you set the pan down anywhere and it goes oh there's the pan and it just heats up yes i have a i have an external (laughs) induction burner like that yeah the pans are magnetic they're great um, so my question is about the type of choosing a skillet when you're playing with eggs I mean, aside from the fact that every time I play with eggs, they kind of come out like scrambled (laughs) eggs, even though I'm trying to make an omelet. Well, what kind? So so you're so what? So you're trying to make an omelet. You're not trying to make scrambled eggs. Well, I've done kind of either, but I keep playing with different kinds of skillets. Some that have more sides, some that that have less. I when it comes to scrambled eggs, especially, I really love the tiny nonstick skillets that go on the small burner because I find that it really traps the heat and the eggs fluff up the best that way. That has been my experience. And I'll just use some butter for the bottom of the pan. You can use oil if you want. And another trick with eggs too is if you use water instead of milk, that's going to make them fluff up more because of oxygen that water has that milk does not. So, um, and then Courtney, a while back, who I think is in the audience, she did an excellent yes. show on how to make omelets. And you might want a bigger pan for that just because of mm-hmm. letting the egg roll to one side and then the other. And, of course, you're putting stuff in the omelet. So, um, uh, Also, if you want them fluffier, baking soda works. If you put like a pinch of yep. baking soda in, it can make them fluffier. There you go. Yep. I still need to try that, actually. You do. You should. Yeah. Okay. Well, All right. Very so good. Much. Okay. Thanks. Let's move on. All right, guys. Segment. So we will. Um, now we're going to make things a little dicey, and we're going to get both Janine and Herbie ah. uh, to talk about our storage labeling. And I think uh, Herbie already kind of talked about this he in his part, but <laughs> and measuring. So any uh, and Janine will go ahead and kind of tell us a bit about our bag of bags, I think, during this little part. So 
So let's start do we want to the start there? Yeah, let's Janine. start with the bag of bags and then we'll we'll take a couple minutes for that. So so guys in the room, um, when and those on Zoom. So Herbie and I both believe in storage and we both use bags a lot. So with next generation and and me being part of this call, I always love to give presents. I give presents for everything. So I wanted everyone to get a present. So for those who came in the room, you got a gallon. We're going to look at these now. Um, You got a gallon bag with a zippy top or a zipper. Slider. A slider. Either way. (laughs) Mo has, I would say slider, but then, okay. So there's a slider and that is a gallon bag. And that's great for cereals and for pizza, pre-made pizza crusts and um, lots of things. So there's a difference between a freezer bag and a regular bag. They're a little thicker and some have a double zip and some have um, a, uh, the, the slider. So freezer bags are thicker and you can feel the difference. So I guess y'all can open them. And for those of you on Zoom, I'm sorry. I wish there was a way for me to give everybody, even those on ACB Media, a bag. Like if I could snap my fingers and you guys would have a bag of bags, I would get it to you. So you got that. You got one bag and then there's another bag. I think uh, there's a gallon freezer and a gallon regular. There's and a there's- gallon regular bag inside the slider that's separate. And then there will be a freezer bag that is yes. a quart bag with other bags inside of it to show yes. you sizes. So Mo made these bags. Thank you, Mo. Mo made these bags and delivered them and then ran away like Santa Claus. So I would suggest using your quart bag for chicken. So when you buy in bulk, you put your chicken in, could be your spices. I like lemon and dill or lemon and garlic, or you could do orange and garlic or whatever. And I know Herbie marinates in bags too. So there's a quart bag and then there's a sandwich bag which is really great for portion control. And then those little snack bags I was talking about. So those are the bags we have. Herbie, did you want to talk about bags more and how you use them? I love to marinate with them and then throw them away because you don't want salmonella in your plastic and and my glass. It's a lot of washing. And there's also a slider quart bag inside the bag. So you'll have the freezer bag, And then inside that should be a quart bag. That's a regular quart bag, a slider quart bag, a sandwich bag, and a snack bag. So you can fill your sizes. And The freezer bag is my favorite. Well, it's like practicing for the measuring cups. You can feel the different Mm -hmm. sizes. Mm -hmm. The freezer bags are my favorite because they are the biggest. They're going to hold almost anything. Mm -hmm. And I, another thing, like I remember, uh, and, and they can, sometimes you have to use more. I remember one time, for instance, I got, um, this uh, box of hamburger patties. I thought it was a whole lot less than what I'd ordered, but uh, mm-hmm. surprise, surprise, when I open the box, I have this whole stack of hamburger patties that just had the paper on them. So <laughs> I grabbed a couple of fr- freezer bags and put them in there, there so I could put them in the fr- store them in the freezer mm-hmm. until I was ready for them. Yeah, I, I when I make hamburger patties, um, you can put wax or you could just put them in the bag so they're single use. So you can pull them out of the freezer. Um, there was something else I was going to say with the bags, but I just forgot. Um, Crockpot usage. Yeah, bags are great for everything. And when you go on vacation, I always take like a half a box of bags with me because you never know what to put. The Not in the kitchen, but if you want to pack your lotions and shampoos, it's great because they don't get into your clothing. So I'm really happy for those in the room. Are you guys excited for them? Can anyone tell us that they're excited or they have they experienced these before? Okay, so let's talk about storage and labeling. So Herbie talked a little bit about labeling your stove with Braille Braille labels and puffy paint. I use, um, because I was cited for so long and I'm still learning Braille, I use um, letters, foam letters that they're craft letters that you would buy at Michael's. You can buy them in the stationary um, crafting scrapbooking area. And I have them for everything. So on my garlic, I have a G. On my lemon peel, I have an LP. On my garlic salt, I have a GS. Onion powder is OP. So, uh, and on my stove, I have a U for up and a D for down. I also use bump dots. So I have a stainless steel refrigerator and I have different size bump dots. One's for water, one's for ice, cubed ice, and one is for uh, crushed ice. I store my flour. I know Herbie likes to feel his stuff and he stores them in, in the 
bags, but I have canisters and Tupperwares. No, I, I do store them in canisters. Okay. <laughs> but sometimes I've had where, you know, I've gotten a brand new bag of flour that I have to put in the canister. So how do I yeah. know what I'm putting in there? So you still got to know how to identify the flour. Yes. Yes, totally true. Like flour and sugar feels different. The, the density on the bag, you have to know how to do it. So I store those things in containers. So hopefully you know how the containers feel. So storage is really important. Like you can, yeah. Um, storing things in the freezer, like Herbie said, is really great idea. I like to get fresh fruit and store it in the freezer because I don't want to buy the frozen fruit. I want to cut my own fruit and store it. So the freezer bags are great for that and storage. Do you have tips on storage and labeling? So labeling, I use puffy things. I try, you could try to alphabetize things. Um, I, he talked about the apps on the phone that can read. There is also an ID mate or a pen friend that, Oh, my pen friend. So this is how I label all my um, cans and you you put the little thing on the sticker and you say like black beans or tomatoes or whatever. And I put them on magnets and then um, they tell me what's on it without sighted help. I can do that all on my own. There's also way around is another kind of form of doing that. I just want to, before we get, so we have so many questions. I just want to mention that, you know, I I do want to mention that a lot of the, we've had a lot of conventions on various apps you can use like SuperSense and all that, and they can be very helpful for food labeling as, you know, food identification, as I mentioned earlier. So, Mm -hmm. um, all right. I don't really have anything additional to say on this subject. I'm personally open to taking more questions. I don't know about you guys. Hi, it's Karen Trotter. I just had a quick question. This is great, you guys. I love it. Um, I'm a little afraid of my kitchen. Anyway, um, my question had to do with the barcode reader. You were mentioning that there's some apps that will that will read the barcode and tell you, which would then tell you the instructions on how to cook it. Are there apps that can do that? I've tried with Seeing AI, but it takes forever to it try does. to find it. it um, is there anything else? Try SuperSense. That can be a little bit more responsive, though sometimes... What I will do, because it's easiest with the iPhone, I will use Voice Dream Scanner just to read oh. the actual box itself. Oh. And mm-hmm. that will at least, even if it won't, even if it doesn't read it accurately, it'll tell me enough that I know, A, what the product is, and B, if I can't get oh. enough information that way, I can then go on the internet and research it that way. So, Perfect. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Sure. Thank you so much. So you guys don't go away because we have an exciting announcement, but we want to answer more questions. So, yeah. I had a question, random question. So um, I I don't know if it's here that we would um, do it, but we have the the door prize. Yeah. Is it for this event? It's, It's coming up. Yeah. All right. It's coming at the end. Yeah. All right. Okay. So let's go. So, yeah, but we'll go back to questions, yes. but let me just show them oh. this here. Diced tomatoes with oregano and basil. So see, I made the sticker. I stuck it on a magnet, and it goes on my can. So I have this little device, and that's what reads to me what my things are. Very good. All right. Okay, next question. Next, we have Diane Scalzi. Diane, you may ask your question. First of all, um, I, for years, we have been using a knife that we found in the AIDS and Appliances Catalog of American Foundation. It's called the Magna Wonder Knife, and it basically has a serrated edge, and then it has a little metal um, guide with a, a little knob that you would turn to move the guide in and out so that you could... Um, you know, measure out how much you wanted to cut, like in a uh, on a loaf of bread or something. And my husband mm-hmm. still uses that, and we've had it for probably twenty years or more. Um, I'm wondering if there's any way to deal with some of these cooking surfaces that are all glass. Um, and you know, the knobs. I think the t- I think they've got touch screens on them too. I wonder <laughs> if any blind folks are dealing with those and how they do it with bump dots a little bit with bump dots because mine's touch screen that's where we went back that's where we, uh, we i was talking about how to label stuff um so yeah bump dots or braille labels if there's specific buttons um i the other thing is again if you feel uncomfortable with the devices get external devices like electric skillets or mm-hmm. there even are electric ovens um you know mm-hmm. you can get 
that might work better for you. And um, that is the short answer that I really, I, I personally am not a big fan of modern kitchen tech. I'm just a little I am. old fashioned that way. So. <laughs> There's also the smart home kitchen option. So that, yeah. that might be a way where you would use your speaker devices to do stuff. Do you need to mention yes. one important disadvantage of your speaker device system is if you lose the net and you don't have any other way of using your kitchen, you're okay. going to be in trouble. In so trouble. that is why I do not. If you, my, my advice, if you're going to get any smart kitchen tech, make sure that you have a way of using it manually. Because yeah. like, for instance, we've had, I had, like, for instance, we've had several storms, like our ice storm last year, mm-hmm. we lost internet but we still had electricity so cooking food was not an issue for us so that's why i do have to mention that little caveat okay yeah, next question i agree with him next question is from nikki keck you mentioned herbie that of course you can use the delivery services which we do however we have run into a problem um sometimes as you said they do provide details on the items you're trying to buy Yep. Uh, but sometimes they don't. You actually can't get all of the details. And we've tried Googling them, and sometimes you can, and sometimes you can't. Have you found a surefire way of overcoming that, aside from sending the image, uh, the page to a sighted person and having, because they can see the image, and usually they can see I'm the, the information. Of- Right. Well, I'm the type that I probably wouldn't get it, but this is where you could really make use of your OCR apps like voice stream scanners. So why don't you, you scan the box and then save the document so that way you can refer back to it? But what if you want to know before you buy it, though, is what I mean. If you want to know before you buy it, then I get surely I would imagine with most products you could probably find at least some kind of review at least or I guess you just yeah. have to dig if there's no information or you just have to buy it and try it and decide yeah. that, you know. But that's really with anything, if you think about it. I mean, you can look at some, a frozen dinner in the store and think, ooh, this looks good. But there's no way to know if you're going to like it until you take it home and cook it. So it's really not that much different if you think about it. Well, that's true, except there were some some that we wanted to buy and we're like, okay, is this microwavable? And we'd like to know. And we could not figure out right away if it I'd was. I'd be curious if you could give me like a couple of products that you were trying to find, I could actually maybe see if I could find, you know, maybe work with you on some specific things I might try. So Okay, next time we went into one, I'll, I'll let you all know. Right. First of all, I'm not a pamphlet chef consultant, but I will say that their knives and slicing and chopping stuff are amazing because I like the knives because they have that, a yes. protective uh-huh. feel on them. And when you when you when you use them, you just take the seal off, you wash them, you put the seal back on, you put it back in the drawer. Okay. Uh, the garlic slicer that we use, um, you put the garlic in it, you just turn it, turn it, turn it, it slices the garlic. And there's a lot of other capital things that they have that I I believe that they are very blind friendly. Uh-huh. I agree with you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I love their um, glass bowl that has a lid. It's the mix and and the mix and scraper is my favorite spatula. So I love it. It's very um, low vision and no vision friendly. So thanks for that. We really appreciate that. I have a couple of things real quick. Knife storage. I have my daughter found these on Amazon and they are like looks like a strip of plastic with slots. In them, and there, there's like four rows of these slots, and so you put them in your drawer, and you lay your knives in those slots, blade side down, mm-hmm. and they are great. I didn't like having the um, the thing on top of my counter, but this works great. The other thing I would say is, <laughs> I keep band aids in my knife drawer. <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> Oh, All right. No. Where you know where where do you where do people get cut most often in the house? It's it's the kitchen, and so I, I, I do. I, okay. Yep. And um, one more quick one more yes. quick thing because you're talking about directions. I wanted to say is directions for me. Directions for me. D i r e c t i o n s f o r m e dot org does have most items with good directions. And if you have to just be careful, you get a, kind of exactly the same name as what you're looking for, you're buying in the store. 
Um, and then, of course, yep. there's always Ira or Be My Eyes. There is. Um, she wants to know the product information before she buys it. But uh, yeah. yes. And that would be where I would probably use um, Ira or Be My Eyes for that. Right. I don't that, I don't know if that would work too well for a delivery app service, but um the delivery apps the delivery services I find don't have really good directions on there. One one thing I want to add before we take the next question is Ira means of artificial uh, intelligence remote assistance yeah. for Where those of you who don't yeah. know what Ira means. Yep. And next up we have Rosanna Beaudry. Rosanna. Hey Herbie. Thanks for a great presentation. Um, I have a really quick question. Um, first of all, I do have an electric stove, unfortunately, and I had to use bump dots on it. Otherwise, I wouldn't know where the numbers are. Um, but my question is about the baggies. If you use the Ziploc bags, like the freezer bags, do you have problems with freezer burn? Because that was one of the problems that I'm finding when I use them is that Sometimes if they've been in the freezer for a week or so, when I take them out, I find like freezer burn and ice in there. Mm-hmm. One thing, though, there are certain brands that are going to be maybe more se- better sealed than the others. So maybe check on the brand of the freezer bag. Mm-hmm. Um, also, where are you placing it in the freezer? Is it right by the vent or is it further away? Mm-hmm. Um, so just some things. Maybe you might need to adjust the temperature in your freezer as well a little bit too, possibly. But um, I know there's freezer bags that'll say that they are like double walled or whatever, and those mm-hmm. make sure you're using ones with good insulation. And you might want to mark them so like it might not be good for a year. Like frozen cookie dough is not good for a year, so you might want to watch that. I will tell. Go them. ahead. Okay. 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 So I'm so excited and I, um, it's been hard to keep this secret and I've been working on this for like, I don't know, eight months, a year, whatever. And it's finally coming to fruition. So mark your calendars because on July 16th, July 16th, we are going to have a -a cook-a-thon. What does that mean, Janine? That means that we are going to cook lots of things. Um, We are going to broadcast and we're going to have a Zoom room so you can come in with us. We're going to be on 195 The Globe and on 98.6 The Mix. So Herbie and my radio stations. And one thing I do need to emphasize, this is not an ACB event. This is yes. a separate event that we're doing on. Yes. And I, I argue can anticipate one question of the an audience member. And the answer is yes, I will be taking time out to come to your call. I'm not going to tell everybody what that is. Yes. I will be taking time out to atten- fully attend your another new call that's going to be happening yes. on the ACB community that day yes. as well. So there you yes. go. So, um, Yes. So we, you can reach us through our emails and find us. uh, We will have uh, Courtney. Yeah. So we have a way to reach us with acbcooks at gmail.com. Um, you yep. can subscribe to that list and get our ingredients and our list and also our websites. I know on 195theglobe.live, we're going to have all the things you need to buy to make Herbie's things. And I know on 98.6 The Mix, Herbie's going to list all the ingredients. So um, let's just tell them really quick. I'm going to make snickerdoodles and lasagna and quiche and pizza dough from scratch and maybe pumpkin or banana bread. I think, yeah. And what are you making, Herbie? So one of the things I'm going to be making is a fried chicken recipe that I'll never make on my cooking call because it takes too long. Yeah. So um, that I'm doing recipes like that. I'm going to be also doing redoing the brownies that I made on my cooking call just because they were a lot of fun. And mm-hmm. um, we're going to be I know there was one other one or two other things I said I was going to do and now I'm drawing a blank. And, uh, you said you were going to do something with my friends. You you just wanted to cook friends over and over. Oh, yes. You're, you're fr- I'm going to cook Janine's friends. Oh, I mean yeah. uh, something beef, a uh, beef dinner wise. So what? Uh, <laughs> Uh, and air fried potatoes yeah yes air fried baked potatoes potatoes, yes and then twinkling tori is going to do a tofu thing and we will have some other fun things so we really want you to join us uh you can reach yeah i told you our email you could find us different ways um Oh, yes. It starts at 10 a.m. and it goes to 10 p.m. So for 12 hours. And this is because on our calls on ACB, we don't really have time to make lasagna. It (laughs) takes two hours and fried chicken takes a long time. So we've been thinking of this and doing it. We're super excited. So we really want you all to join us. 
Thanks so much, Herbie and Janine, for being with us today. As I said, this is an ACB Next Generation program. And so I do have two winners. Uh, Our first winner is for a spice package and crocheted pot holder. And that is going to Jillian King. And that is from, I think it's Hobie. It's H-O-B-Y. It's from Hobie Wedler. And then... We have our other prize is way around tags is for Joel Van Dovinel, V-A-L-D-O-V-I-N-E-S is the last name I have. And I thank you so much, guys, for being here with us. Again, Next Generation is a affiliate, a special affiliate of ACB for Gear Towards the 18 to 40 crowd, but you can be a supporting member like Janine and come and join us. I am a director on the board as well as the fundraising chair, and we would love to have you come and join us. So I have one more um, door prize because we bought two from Hawaii, right? So we gave one of them away. Yes, there's one person in the room. So, you know, well, there's four of us now, but one person (laughs) that stayed throughout the whole thing. So should I give that to her? Go ahead. All right. Thank you. Yay. Um, Mo, I wanted to also mention that Next Generation right now, if you wanted to join, um, you could pay your dues and you would be entered into a drawing to win a $25 gift card for new members and for renewing members. And your membership would count from now until next year. So just to get that plug for... ACB Next Generation membership. And then I thought you were going to tell us about your fun cookbook. Well, we're out out of time. So, yes, we do have a Next Generation cookbook. So just follow our, um, join our email list and you can find out more information there. Thank you guys so much. And thank you, Chanel. And thank you, uh, Herbie, for streaming. And thank you, ACB Land.